0: This is an Emmaus Church podcast. For more information about Emmaus Church, please visit EmmausDenver.com. Today's reading is from Hebrews chapter 8. Now the point in what we are saying is this. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a minister in the holy places in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man, Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. For they did not continue in my covenant. And so I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach Each one his neighbor and each one his brother saying, know the Lord, for they all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest, for I will be merciful toward their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. In speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete and what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Kind of been talking about the priesthood of Jesus for a while. Um there's a handful of things that kinda relate to that uh over the last few chapters. And um it's not, you know, you know, I don't know about you, but when I think about uh things about Jesus that encourage me, uh often his his priestly work isn't something that just like pops into the front of my mind. And it helps going through all these chapters in in Hebrews now that often, you know, in the last few weeks that's been something that's really really heavily on my mind, really been, been weighing on my mind that, that we have a high priest who's, who's passed through the heavens, who is, who's actually standing before God today, interceding on our behalf, who's, who's doing things. Jesus has a body and is physically doing things in the heavenly temple so that you and I could enjoy more of the beauty and the wonder and the presence of God himself. Uh, and that's sort of a, that's kind of a, a summary of when we've talked about priests, priests, uh, a, a big part of what priests do, and we're, we're going to talk a little bit about how that worked in the Old Testament as we work through um, this passage today, but a lot of what priests do is they, they go between God and man, and they help bring men to the presence of God, and so Jesus is a, a better version of that, and, we've been, and we, we've been talking about in this series that we want our confidence, we want the thing that, that uh, sort of, uh, as the book of Hebrews says, anchors our soul. We want our confidence to be in Jesus himself, so that that that's the thing that that we can cling to. Uh, That's the thing that that enables us also to get into the very presence of God. And if you get our text messages, um, I mentioned the the podcast, The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. So uh, you're probably wondering what that has to do with anything about Jesus as our priest. And um, I see, I can see the smiles on the people's faces who are probably caught up with that, with that particular podcast. If you don't know anything about that podcast, um, it's it's a it's a it's more than the story about a church that failed. Um, a lot of it has to do with sort of the context that brought about some some failures uh, within a particular church. And for for some people that hits super close to home. For others, it's not sort of the context in which they grew up in, so there's maybe less weight there, but I've had more people come to me and talk to me about, about this particular podcast um, than probably any podcast in recent history. So that's come up quite a bit, but the, the short of it is about a failure at church um, and sort of all the things surrounding that. And, and, and sadly, um, if you're not familiar with that podcast, you're probably familiar with a church letting you down in one way, shape, or another. Um, the The reality is that we're a, a community. All of us, doesn't matter where you go, we're we're a community of sinners, together, um, working towards sanctification, working towards imaging God, working towards proclaiming the gospel, and uh, working towards serving the city around us. There's, we're we're Together, even though broken, God through his spirit is using us for his work or for his ministry. And I think one of the things that the, the podcast rattles some people or or appropriately causes you to question is, is it says, Are you ministering? Are you are are the things you're doing for public good actually align with the things that Christ would have us do for public good? And that's kind of what I what I mentioned on the text message and I'm, and I'm, I'm saying this morning, does, does our ministry as a church align with our minister, Jesus himself? Does our ministry of a church align with, with our minister, Jesus himself? And if, if the podcast has you do anything, it probably has you reflect on that uh, even just, just a little bit. And I thought that was appropriate because we're talking about the ministry of Jesus in chapter eight. We're talking about the ministry of Jesus as high priest. And, you know, as we get some of these words, this is another one that we don't use very often, um, ministry or minister, or maybe it's just like a churchy word that kind of gets thrown around a lot. So we don't, we don't really have like a tangible idea necessarily of what a ministry is or a minister is. Uh, but the short of it is it's a public servant. A minister is just a, is just a public servant. And so we're gonna see Jesus as a, as a priest has a public service for us. Uh, and, and, and as we share in that ministry, you and I both have a, a public service to, to share in that ministry as well. Um, so let's look at, uh, for, so yeah, here I think my outline is the next thing on the screen. Um, give us just an idea of kind of where we're going. We're gonna ask then, okay, if ministry is a public service, what is Jesus's ministry? What is that? Uh, and then we're gonna say, okay, well, if this is what Jesus's ministry is, then what's the, the scope or what's the sort of where does that apply maybe is another way to say that and then how does that work what's the what's the if we want our ministry to mirror our minister Jesus himself we should know what that is we should know where that applies uh, and then we should know how that works and i feel like saying that out loud i should have just made that my outline but instead i have these words on the screen so that's what we're going to go with <laughs> Um, so, so let's just look at what is his ministry, uh, and start in verse one of chapter eight. He says, "Now the point in what we are saying is this: we have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. We have such a high priest, one who is seated in the throne. And we spent um, a while going over a big sunct- uh, section of scripture." a big section of scripture last week. Um, but, and he, he kind of concludes, maybe not concludes, but he, he, all, the point of what we're saying is sort of everything that we talked about last week. Uh, a lot of what has been said throughout the book of Hebrews. And he, and he spent a lot of time saying that Jesus is our high priest is someone who brings us into the presence of God. And that's, that's sort of my summary of, of the point of all the things he has been saying. Jesus' ministry The thing that Jesus is doing as a a public servant is he's bringing all of his people into the very presence of God. And we have such a high priest, unlike some of the other high priests, it says we have such a high priest who is innocent, holy, unstained, separated from sinners and exalted above the heavens. We have this high priest who is is beyond any other high priest that has ever shown up. We have this high priest that that puts all the old high priests in in the Old Testament to shame. We have a high priest who isn't just serving in a temple in the middle of the desert somewhere. We have a high priest who's passed through the heavens, who is in the the very throne room of God, who is seated at the right hand of the father, who's ruling and reigning and interceding in a way, he's going before God in a way that no other high priest has done. So he's got this ministry, he's got this public service in a way that no other priest could ever attain or has ever had in the history of the world of bringing people into the presence of God. This is, this is what Jesus's ministry is as a high priest. Look at verse two. He says, he's a minister in the holy places in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. And this is where he kind of makes a little bit of a shift to make his point. He's like, I just told you about all of these things that Jesus has done. I've just told you about how much greater he is. I've told you about how he's in this crazy enthroned uh, t- uh, um, temple. That's not on the earth, but it's in the heavens. I've told you that he's perfect. And he's not just those things out here doing nothing separate from us. He's a minister. He says that. He's a minister. Jesus is everything that I just told you about so that he could perform a public service. Jesus is everything I just told you about so he could do something today, so that he could serve you and I to bring us into the presence of God. That's his ministry. And it makes sense when you look at verse three, he's like, he's a minister. I'm saying that in verse three, for or because every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. Thus, it is necessary for this priest also to have something to offer. He kind of just rolls into what priests do. It almost seems like a little bit of a, like, whoa, where do we, where do we go from there? But he's, he's talked to us a lot about priests So when he says Jesus is a minister, he's a public servant. He says, he's kind of like, right, just like every priest. That's what every priest does. They're appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. So if Jesus is gonna do a ministry, if Jesus is gonna have a public service for you and I, just like every other priest, he has to have something to offer. And he's kind of already told us what it was. He said that Jesus isn't offering the blood of bulls and goats, he offered himself. So he's saying that not, so Jesus is still doing his public ministry, but it has already offered his gift. He's offered his gift of, of, of his own body. He's offered his gift so that he could now do that public service, do that ministry today of helping us, of bringing us into the presence of God. So that's, that's Jesus' ministry. Jesus is serving to bring others into God's presence. That's, that's his public service for all of us. And I think it's interesting, we'll, we'll look at this in a few weeks, but Hebrews 13, verses 15, this is developed in a lot of other places in scripture, but there's this idea that we're connected to Jesus. We're united to him. We, we say, and at this church, we're being transformed into the image of Christ. Uh, we, we behold his beauty. We say that the gospel is beautiful and that changes us to look like Christ. We're want to look like him and and we want our ministry to match our minister we, we want to have the same focus and attention and the same goal that that the minister that we're united to has and hebrews picks up on this on the end and we'll, we'll go through this whole chapter at some point uh over the next few weeks but in chapter 13 he talks about us being ministers as well as us being priests in verse 15 he says through him this is through jesus let us, let you and I continually offer up sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Saying you are a priest. Peter actually says this explicitly. He says we're a priesthood, all of us. And like Christ, you and I offer up sacrifices. Sacrifices. But our sacrifices are not, not spilled blood. Our sacrifices the things that we do for others. Just the, the, the fruit of the lips that praise his name. So we have sacrifice that's praise and worship of God. The things that we were doing as we, as we sung songs this morning. In the, in the verse 16, he says, Do not de- neglect to do good and to share what you have. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. He's saying, you also have this role as priest. It's through him, that's how he started this verse. So we're, we're connected to Jesus, so we have a ministry. Our ministry, just like Jesus, is to do good with the ultimate goal of bringing others into the presence of God. Just like Christ, you and I are priests because we're united to him. So he's telling us, you share in this ministry you, like Christ, are to serve others with the end goal of ultimately bringing them into the presence of God. Yes, that's Jesus's ministry, and that's our ministry. Amen. So where does that, like, where does that happen? How do we, how does that look? And we, we kind of go on, we see a little bit more of, of, of maybe get, get some, uh, Something tangible to do with that. Verse 4, again, back in chapter 8. It says, now, if he were on earth, again, talking about Jesus, he would not be a priest at all, since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law. Now, he said a lot of um, things about priests in the previous chapters. So, so it kind of seems out of the blue. But if we're thinking about what he said already about Jesus, he said that he's a, he's a unique kind of priest, He's already sort of explained all of that to us. And so he says, if he was on earth, he wouldn't be a priest because he's not of the tribe of Levi. And and we're going to look at some of the Old Testament uh, connection with the temple and and try to connect some of those dots. But for most of us, when we're like the tribe of Levi, you know, like we're not, we're not like that doesn't, that's not a category we're working through. But to, to his original audience in the first century, you had a temple in Jerusalem and only certain people were allowed to be a priest there. You had to be born through the Levitical tribe. You had, you had to be part of that tribe to serve as a priest. So, so he's saying if he was on earth and he, he was in this, this temple that we have, he couldn't do that because he didn't come through that tribe. And he, he goes on, in verse five and says, they serve a copy and shadow of the heavenly things. These these Levites, these, uh, the people serving in the temple that would have been in Jerusalem at the time. For when Moses was about to erect the tent, he was instructed by God saying, see that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown to you on the mountain. All right, we've kind of been avoiding this, um, I feel like for a few weeks now. We haven't talked a lot, about what actually happens in the Old Testament um, as far as like the temple goes and what the priest did in the Old Testament. Um, so I, wanted, I had a picture of like this, you know, there's a really cool YouTube video that's like 10 minutes that kind of goes through all this. And the animation is cool, but when the actors show up, it's like super cheesy. Um, but it, gets the, po- it gets, the po- gets the point across, you know? Um, so so he's, he's making a comparison. When, when he's looking, you leave that picture up there because I want to talk through that. He says, they serve these other priests, these priests that are not like Jesus, the ones that are on the earth, serve a copy and a shadow of the heavenly things. And he quotes from Exodus. It says, see that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown you on the mountain. He's like, look, you're excited about the way the priests operate on earth, but I'm just telling you that even when they built all the structures to do the sacrifices, to have the priesthood, uh, to, to all the feast, everything that was around that, even when they did that originally with Moses, the guy that started all that, God said that this wasn't the real thing. Like, build it because you're copying a, a pattern, pattern your thing off of the real thing. And so he's trying to make a comparison here so that we would understand God, Christ's ministry. We'd understand what is, it. we can look at this little tent, which I think this is super fascinating. Um, you have this outer court. Uh, you have a, what they call the bronze sea. And, and then you have the altar, uh, which is where they burn the sacrifice. And they had to burn the sacrifice. They had to uh, do a whole bunch of things, which is why it's hard to get through Leviticus in our Bible reading plan. And then the priests then, then the priests, only the priests, only the Levites could go into the holy place. So this is the holy place. And then once a year, so the holy place has like all these lights, they burn incense, so there's a bunch of smoke in there. And then once a year, they'd pass through and go to the Holy of Holies and they'd be in the very presence of God. And that would happen once a year. So you, so you have this sort of like, this, this grand structure that came from the Old Testament that was just a part of their everyday life. Like weekly sacrifices, which you think is like, man, that's a big deal. They did evening and morning ones every day. Like the priests served in the holy place, they ministered, the Old Testament says they ministered, they did their public service in the Old Testament daily in the holy place so that the community Israel could approach God. Which, you know, is kind of a big deal that this nation could approach, God decided not, he even said, Israel, you're like the worst, but because you're the worst, I'm choosing you so that I can be present with you and make my glory known to the world. So God physically shows up in this temple and they have all these sort of things they have to do daily, minister, this, this public service the priests have to do so that the, the nation could dwell with God himself. So there's a whole lot going on here and he's making a comparison. He's saying all that stuff and you have in your Old Testament, all that stuff that happened with Moses, it was a, it was a pattern. It wasn't, the, it wasn't the real thing. As as cool as it was, as grand as the temple that that Solomon built, all of that stuff was just a pattern of what was this ultimate thing. So I kind of want to try to explain then, well, what was it a pattern of? Because this sort of answers the question for us. If our ministry is to bring people into the presence of God, through, through our acts of love for them, do we go to a temple somewhere? Like, how do we, like, where does that actually apply in all of our lives? And so I think the, the next slide, this is sort of a, a top-down view of my amazing PowerPoint uh, uh, skills, which is super not amazing, but you can make shapes and get the point across. <laughs> so, so, so in the temple, if you're looking from the top down, they had the outer court, everyone was allowed to be there. You could show up at the outer court with your sacrifices. And then what the priest would do is on the bronze sea and on the they would cleanse themselves, and on the bronze sea they would offer the sacrifice, and then they would walk into the holy place uh, where the lampstand and the incense were. And then daily, there's other things. There's kind of more to this, but I feel like this is good to just kind of help us get an idea. But then daily they would burn incense. The candles would have to always be lit, um, and then they, the smoke would come up from the from the incense that they would burn, because they'd burn the sacrifice on the the outside. Then the the incense that they burn on the inside was. Uh, like created the smoke and this uh, the sweet aroma unto the Lord, and then the very last segment was where God was present. So this is this is the pattern that Moses was copying on the mountain. That was a really big deal for any Jewish person for their entire life. Um, and, you know, there's a large part of our Bible that talks about all of these things. So so it's, it's an important reality, but it's not like the ultimate reality. It's not the thing that's actually where everything was going. And so the next slide is kind of like my summary of the ultimate reality. We're, we're trying to say, okay, well, if that was just a pattern, what was the big thing? What was the thing that was being patterned off of? And I like this because... The outer court is a demonstration of, all of, all, of cre- uh, all of the earth, all of creation. What is, when creation is made in Genesis, what are the two things that are separated? The land and the sea. And so now you have in the outer court sort of a representation of the entire world. You have, you have where the sacrifice is burned on the mountain and we can connect that through even the garden and kind of some of those things, but you have the mountain, and then you have the sea. So the outer court is a, is a representation of all of creation. And then the inner court, the holy place, is the visible heavens. When the Bible talks about heaven, it talks about the visible heavens and the invisible heavens, like where God dwells with the exact same word. So they go into the the, the visible heavens is where the, the lights are, where the stars, where the sun, the moon, the sky. And some people even correlate the seven major lights with the seven lights of the menorah or whatever the candlestick thing is called. Is that what it's called? Okay. <laughs> um, and, and guess what? That's where the smoke rises from the incense. And, and that's why there's often an association of deity with the, with the clouds. Uh, Jesus is coming with the clouds. So there's this idea that all of the visible heavens demonstrate the holy place of God. And so then finally, this this better holy of holies wasn't like a little cube in Jerusalem where they could go in once a year. The the, the thing that was patterned off of was the heavenly throne. The, The actual real presence of God. And that's why earlier it says that Jesus passed through the heavens and it even says it uses the idea of a curtain because that's what was that's what was separating this this these, this heavenly reality from from the image of God, from God Himself is a curtain. So so it's saying Jesus actually passed through not just this not the the temple veil was torn when Jesus was sacrificed uh, on the cross and there's a lot going on there, but it's actually giving you this image of Jesus not just worshiping at the, this pattern this like lesser temple, but he's passing through through. Et- the heavens themselves in entering into the very presence of God. So he's making this point when he's talking about it in, in Hebrews, verse six. He says, But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry, a public service, that is much more excellent than the old, as the covenant he medita- mediates is better since it has acted on better promises. He's saying, Look, all of those things in the past were amazing, were important, had a purpose, but they were just the copy in the shadow. The ultimate reality is that Jesus has passed through the visible heavens and is now worshiping and serving as a priest for the entire world, not just the outer court of a little temple, but for the entire world, land and sea, so that he could draw others and bring them into the presence of God. This is the the beauty and the wonder of this temple, this ministry, this public ministry, that's so much better than anything any of the Levites did in the Old Testament. So I think about this. If we share in this ministry, if you are connected to Christ and you are now a priest and you have a public service to draw others into the presence of God through Christ, where can you do that? Everywhere, <laughs> anywhere in the outer court. <laughs> you, just like the priests of old, you can go to anyone in the outer court and draw them into the presence of God. And I think in 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 God's wonderful wisdom in, in, in this just the way he's sort of orchestrated all of this so that, that you and I are actually connected to Christ that through him we're all high priests he's particularly put each and every single one of you in a very particular place in your life he knows the job that you have he knows the people that you see regularly he knows the friends that you enjoy hanging out with God has orchestrated all of these things, connected you to his son so that you could be a priest for him anywhere in the world. You have the opportunity to draw people into the presence of God by offering your gifts and sacrifices you care for and love for those around you. And I think when we ask ourselves, does our ministry align with our minister do we think that this is the goal or this is the, the end result this is, the, this is what we're able to do with, with all things related to who we are as Christians and I think the podcast is sort of like pressing on some of us and saying hey uh, someone up front might have some good ideas you know Hopefully I have a, a few here and there. Um, your elder team might have, have some good ideas about, about how we do church. Th- th- those are important structures for the way God has designed that. But at the end of the day, you have to stand before God and say, did my ministry, did my public service for those around me, for those people that God put in my life, did that mirror my minister? Was I, was I offering gifts and sacrifices to those around me so that I could draw them into the presence of God? So how do we do that? He goes on to give us a little bit more. He says, well, Jesus has this better covenant. Everything involved with the temple, some of the things with the priests, all that comes from what's called, the, it's a, the old covenant is what we call it. Uh, sort of this uh, uh uh, the way things were organized through Moses. Um, And now that we're in this new covenant, the way things are organized through Jesus, he's saying it's way better. Verse seven says, for if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for a second. He's saying, look, let's go back, even in the Old Testament, where all these cool things are happening with the temple even in the Old Testament where God did some like miraculous things, even back there, it's already saying, hey guys, there's something better coming. Yes. There's like a new thing. In verse eight, he, start, he quotes from Jeremiah, where this, a prophet who's involved in all these things is saying, hey, there's a new thing coming that's better. I'm, I'm going to talk to you about a." Uh, when we get a better priest, when we get a better covenant, when we get better promises, there's a method that's going to draw people into the presence of God that's way better than it used to be. And so he quotes this at length um, in verse eight. It says, for he finds fault with them when he says, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah not like the covenant I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. He's sort of referencing what happened with Moses. He, he rescued the people out and the covenant happened on, the, on this mountain after they passed through the sea uh, where God gave them uh, the 10 commandments. He gave them the law. Um, a, lot, a large portion of our Bible was, was all produced uh, after that event happened. So we have, them, we have them being taken out of Egypt, and all the details of the old covenant sort of happen there. And he says, Well, I'm going to give this new covenant. It says, For or because they did not continue in my covenant, so I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. That's tough. But he's saying, I gave them this covenant, I, I worked through priests to draw people into my presence but they kind of blew it off. And if you've done any Sunday school teaching, you're almost like bored of the theme of talking about how Israel messed it all up. <laughs> just, it just happens a lot over and over again. And he's saying, so I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. This old covenant isn't sufficient. The old way of doing things, the old way of drawing people into the presence of God was not sufficient. Earlier he says that those priests were broken themselves. They had to offer for their own sins. Jesus doesn't have to do that. So those priests could not perfect. They had to keep doing it over and over and over and over again. And Jesus has made one sacrifice. So now he can perfect. So he tells us why this is better. He kind of gives us a blueprint for how you and I as priests, how Jesus ultimately, as the, as the priest in heaven who is ministering, doing this public service, drawing people into the presence of God. But we, through him, we're connected to him. We share in the same public service of drawing people into the presence of God. He gives us sort of a blueprint of how that's going to look in the new covenant. Of how that looks today. Look at what he says in verse 10. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. The house of Israel is just kind of a way to say the people of God. God works through particular people. It was a nation at one point. Before that, it was just some families. Before that, it was Noah. Before that, it was the line of Adam. And now it's the people of God are, are we call the church. So he's saying, I'm gonna make a covenant with God's people. I will put my law into their minds and I will write them on their hearts. I'll put my law into their minds and I'll write them on their hearts. In the old covenant, the law was on tablets of stone or it was written down and put into the temple. But he's saying what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go down into the depths of who they are and I'm gonna utterly change that. I'm, I'm gonna transform individuals to not just have this external thing that they do when it comes to the temple or, the, or, or love God or love your neighbor. I'm actually gonna go deep down into who they are and supernaturally transform their hearts so that their desires, so that the things that they crave, so that the, the, their, their imaging of Jesus comes from, from the, the deepest part of who they are. I'm going to do a supernatural work. And the, the prophets explain that the supernatural work comes through the spirit. And, and when the spirit is poured out on the land, all of this fruit just comes up in a, in a place that was formerly a desert. And that's how, that's how you and I are able to be in and enjoy the presence of God through, through the public service of what Jesus is doing. Yes, it's not that we've like put our lives together in like a little bit better way. And so now we can go to God. He's reached in with the third person of the Trinity, completely transformed who we are, connected us to Christ, changed our desires, and is now drawing us into God himself. This is a way better method than trying to be somewhere in Jerusalem at the right time and doing all the different things and then kind of getting into the presence of God-ish maybe. I'm I'm gonna change you from the inside out. There's just a supernatural element to this. And I think we have to acknowledge that as we wanna minister to others, if we wanna serve and love people around us, there isn't like a formula that then makes them go, oh, you did these things, so-and-so, now God, awesome, worship him. We need change. We need like a supernatural change in our neighbors. And that's what we pray for. But that's what God has equipped us with his spirit to see others also transformed, to, to see someone go from uh, we were from church adjacent, or I use that, that term this morning, someone, someone that's like near us to someone that doesn't care as much about us as they care about worshiping God himself. That's, tr- that's, that's supernatural change. That's not learning the things on the outside. That's putting the law on their heart, on the very center and core of who they are. And that's what we ask for. That's what we pray for. That's what enables us to come and approach God through our priests, through Jesus's public ministry. Look at what the aim of that is in verse 11. They shall not teach, or actually I'll finish verse 10. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. And he expands on that in verse 11. They shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother saying, know the Lord for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest. Everyone will know God. And I, I've been saying recently, I've been using the word experience God because I think when we say no, we think of like, I can list facts about God. Like that's how we, but that's not how the, that word is used in our Hebrew Bible. Adam knew Eve and they had a kid. You know, there's an intimate knowledge there. <laughs> there's, there's, a, there's like something experiential about that. <laughs> but the point is that we don't just, because of the supernatural change, because of this better priest who has a public service to bring us into God's presence, you and I don't have to go to that temple. And once a year, the special guy who got the short end of the stick when they are trying to see who gets to go into the scary place this year, (laughs) the the special tribe, the special guy, once a year goes in the presence of God. And he's saying, no, the new covenant will change all of us, will sort of level the playing field and now because of the internal change of who we are, all of us are priests serving in the, in the outer courts and all over the place. All of us are priests and all of us get that intimate knowledge of who God is. The only one you need to go between you and God is Jesus himself. When you're connected to him, whether you're standing up here or hiding behind the screen in the back or everybody else in between, all of us have that ability to go before the presence of God. All of us have that blessing to be drawn in to the throne room of God and be comforted by that. All of us have that responsibility as priest united to that great high priest to do the public service of ourselves being a sacrifice so that we could draw others into the very presence of God. So what's the method? The scope is everywhere. It's worldwide. Where do we do this? Everywhere you live. The method is through the supernatural work of the Spirit. Through heart change here. Through our own joy in the presence and wonder and beauty of God. It's wonderful how he ends this section because God cast off it says earlier um, that he they did not continue in my covenant so I showed them no concern they didn't pay attention to this old covenant so I tossed them out and I it's not that hard to think about how I spend my week and I'm like I'm not paying a whole lot of attention to the new covenant do I, am I, am I driven by my my responsibility as a public servant as a as a priest united to Christ am I driven day to day by being in the presence of God not that often I think God has used a lot of the book of Hebrews to, to have me wrestle with those things a lot more I'm thankful for that so I pray for it for you guys but it's easy i can I can go a couple of days and be like, man, you know I was actually on the fly, use this uh, analogy. Of, I was moving with Jesse yesterday, and I was like, "Hey, you look stressed out." he's like, "Man, I've just been going really hard for like a while." And I was like, "Man, that's that's tough, dude." Like, and we just talked about like how do we like consider God right now, so that we can have more peace. And Jesse and I like this. This is what Jesse said. He's like, "Oh yeah, it would probably help more to think about the Lord now than wait till I can later." <laughs> and I love that because <laughs> I'm like get out the way, Lord, I have to do all these things. I will go consider you later and hopefully I'll have peace then, but I'm like doing all this stuff right now. I mean, that's just kind of where we default. Like we go through work or we go through whatever and we're not considering God's presence and the fact that he can be extremely comforting for us. He can be extremely restful just considering him. And so much of our public service, so much of our ministry as as Christians is not oriented that way. We don't do that very well. We fall short. And it's like, I'm gonna talk to you about this new covenant. And I know if you stop to consider what I'm saying, you're gonna feel that. So I love how he ends it. From the least to the greatest will know him. And then verse 12, why? Why will everyone know God? This says, because I will be merciful towards their iniquities and I'll remember their sins no more. I will remember their sins no more. We get to be involved in the public service of drawing others into the presence of God because He doesn't remember our sins at all. We, we have a high priest that doesn't have to keep going and keep sacrificing and keep doing the things. He sat down. He's done doing the the sacrificial work. He he he's offered himself. Uh, an actual sacrifice that's willing to perfect, not willing, able to perfect. And so you and I don't stand in this position where we're like, man, I dropped the ball here or I wasn't thinking of the Lord here or I I don't consider these. um, I I haven't been thinking that my ministry is to bring others into the presence of God. He's like, I know that. (laughs) That's why I sent Jesus. That's why I sent a better high priest so someone who is able to perfect you so that you could still be involved in Jesus's public ministry to, to, through love drawing others into the presence of God. Yes, there's not a point in the day where God does not arms wide open for those people who are united to Christ say, welcome you into my presence at any point. But, and there's not a point in our lives where he can say, well, you know, I really wanted you to minister to these people Last year, but now that you've moved, you dropped the ball. Can't minister to these people over here. Says, no, I've orchestrated your life to put you into presence of others so that you could love them. That's why you're in all the little places that you're in and draw them in to see the beauty and the wonder and the glory of our creator. So that more people you know could say, man, I'm glad that my sins are remembered no more. This is what He does. He sacrifices himself so that you and I could have confidence to go into the presence of God. Amen. Which I feel like verse 13 is almost redundant, but I think the author of Hebrews is trying to get a point across to us. In speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. <laughs> like there's a better thing. And what is becoming obsolete? and is growing old, is ready to vanish away. There's a lot of sort of trendy things that come up in the podcast, you know, and I, again, if you haven't, if you haven't listened to it, it's not that significant because it isn't that hard for all of us to think at different points of our lives so we get like wrapped up in like the next cool thing. Um, I still don't have anything to do with my pogs, but... That was really cool at the time. <laughs> Every, I guess all of the, everyone else has beanie babies maybe. But we get, we get caught up in like whatever is like the cool thing of the moment. And he's, he's looking at the old covenant, which was not something, was weighty. Like there's, there's something, re, you know, the, the things that God did in the old covenant had a purpose, pointed us to Christ, brought the people to God. There's like wonderful things about that. And he's like, even that compared to the way God is working today is fading. Even that is fading. Even that is going away. And I think there's a lot of like churchy things. I know this for a fact. (laughs) 20 years from now, as Christians, we're going to look back and be like, why did we do that thing? (laughs) Like, we're really about this whatever that is. You know, if I knew what that is now, we'd change it right now. <laughs> but we're gonna look back and say, there was a lot of like churchy things we did that faded. And that's okay, because at the end of the day, all of these things are fading except for what Jesus is doing as our high priest bringing us into the presence of God. And if we want our ministry as a church, as a, as a, a new individual believer, if we want our ministry to last and not fade, it needs to mirror our minister. We need to give of ourselves so that we could bring others into the wonderful and amazing presence of God. That's not gonna fade. You can commit to that as a Christian and know that that's gonna be just as important now as as in the next 20 years. And you can have confidence in that. Let's pray.